Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Erin Nelson is the Director of Organizational Effectiveness at Kindred Bravely, a maternity and nursing company based in Southern California. In 2019, Kindred Bravely ranked number 20 on Inc.'s list of America's fastest growing private companies with three-year revenue growth of 8,544%. The company was also named number four top California companies, number one top San Diego company, and number five top consumer products and service companies. In 2017, Kindred Bravely won Shopify's Pick in the Build a Bigger Business competition. Over the last three years, Aaron has been focused on building systems and processes that support Kindred Bravely's rapidly growing team, allowing them to communicate effectively and efficiently. At the same time, she's found tangible ways to further the company's vivid vision while fostering a positive and fun remote work culture. Aaron loves working for Kindred Bravely because of its emphasis on women supporting other women. One way Kindred Bravely does this is by hiring an almost entirely remote workforce, many of whom are moms of young children. With its flexible work environment, Kindred Bravely enables moms and dads to achieve professionally and personally. Erin holds her master's in public policy from the UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs. While she was completing her public policy degrees, she also took business classes to expand her knowledge. She has a professional experience in the public, nonprofit, and private sectors, and spends much of her free time reading. So Erin, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, you as well. What I what I didn't actually mention wasn't in the direct bio, but Erin's also a member of the COO Alliance. I've gotten to know her over the last couple of events that she's been able to attend. And um, so, Erin, thanks again for joining us. Can you why don't you just tell us how you got involved in Kindred Bravely? What was it that attracted you to the brand in the early stages for you? Sure. Um, I first heard about Kindred Bravely through a friend who actually was working at the company and. She had just transitioned from being a stay-at-home mom to entering the workforce part-time. And when she started describing the company to me, I was really fascinated by the business model. Um, It's a remote team focused on serving moms. And the understanding of work-life balance was really the thing that appealed to me the most. And I started following the company on social media. And I saw a job pop up. for a customer service position. And it wasn't a job that I personally wanted to do, but I was so interested in the company and the mission that I decided to apply on a whim. I was, I was at home with a little baby myself at the time. And I thought, you know, this could be the perfect way back into the workforce after taking some time off to be with my little ones. So I applied Um, And I just thought, hey, maybe they'll look at my resume and think of me for something else. Mm. What's what's the harm in applying? So I applied, got an interview, and they did exactly what I hoped they would, which was they looked at my resume and said, hey, like, we don't want you for that job. We would love to have you for a different job. So they actually brought me on into a position they weren't even advertising, um, part-time process improvement coordinator. And so I started with the company 20 hours a week, um, just getting back into working. And from there, over the last three years, I've had 
just kind of my job has evolved as the company has grown. So I started as a process improvement coordinator, then I went to project manager, senior project manager, and then now director of organizational effectiveness. So uh, they really, the founders really love using people in the roles where they excel. And so the organizational structure and building systems and processes and troubleshooting and puzzle solving is really what I like doing. Um, so I just feel really thankful that I've been able to kind of grow with the company and keep doing more of the things that I really like to do. It's interesting. So how do they, as a, as a company, how do you find out what people are really good at and what they excel at? How do you systemize that to then start kind of putting people into the unique ability roles? Um, we use a lot of tools when we are um, interested in hiring someone. So we, we have pretty rigorous interview process. And in addition to the interview process, we utilize a lot of tools. Basically, once we decide someone's the right fit, we use the Colby, um, I'm blanking on the full name, but the Colby assessment, um, DISC assessment, we do strength, strength finder, um, and I think those are the main ones that we use. So once, once we know someone's joining the team, we really dive into the personality assessments and how they work, how they operate. Um, so we use those tools pretty heavily. Um, and the, you know, we share those, we share the Colby and the disc with the whole team. So everybody on our team knows, you know, the Colby number of their supervisor and the people that they work with. And we try to really um, use those tools to foster good communication between supervisors and employees and just with each other. Um, we use a lot of, a lot of different tools like that. So we can understand um, how each person's, you know, core operating mode is and, it's really helpful. It's really helpful. It's interesting. That's actually the entire purpose of having personality profiles is never to change the other person, but it's merely to understand the other person and to understand yourself so that you understand your unique abilities, you understand your weaknesses, you understand your strength, you understand how you're showing up, how you're being perceived. Like, and when it's really understanding each other that builds that highly functioning team. So it's good that you guys are doing it for that purpose. The Colby profile that you're talking about is the Colby A profile probably. Um, and yeah, we use that even in the COO Alliance, we have all of our COO members do the Colby A profile and then we have their CEO do it. So there's a good understanding. What, just for fun, what is your Colby A profile? What's your oh number? gosh, I believe it's eight, three, six, seven. Inter Whoa, interesting. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, when I first started and I was directly reporting to Garrett, our founder, um, it, when I went line by line on my the way I operate and the way he operates, it's so enlightening because, um, you know, he's a quick start and I like to research a lot and he likes to hear a lot of, you know, just the main point. I love details. So it's really helpful when you understand not only who you report to, but the people that report up to you as well. How do they operate? How do they want to receive communication? How do they like to give communication? Um, it's, it just clarifies so many things and it can save you so much time. I mean, before I really dove in deep, I would, you know, I like receiving a lot of details. So I would spend a lot of time developing like a detailed briefing 
only to find out, you know, the one sentence, two sentences is fine, just get to the point. So insights like that are really helpful and it just really improves your working relationship in so many different ways. How about for yourself? Where have you grown? What have you learned about yourself from doing some of these profiles that that's helped you? Um, so, I mean, like I said, I'm a, I have a long fact finder. So sometimes maybe I go deeper than necessary into researching and like almost to the point of delaying things, uh, which is not helpful. So that, that's been valuable for me to realize. And then I'm not... Similarly, I'm not a quick start. Like I, I really feel like I need to have a lot of information before I start. And I know we talk about this in the COO Alliance. A lot of entrepreneurs are quick starts. You know, they have an idea and they want it to go immediately. So um, I think it's helpful for for the entrepreneurs to have somebody like me next to them to kind of help vet certain things before we go too hard on any given area. Mm-hmm. Um, so walk so, me through that. So let's say you're hiring for a key role in the organization. How do you use the personality profiles to assist you in hiring and then to assist you in onboarding these people? So with hiring, um, you know, obviously the person doing the hiring, you want them to read through the profile. Um, we, we pretty much, we we go through a lot of vetting before we get to the point of doing all the profiles. Once we get to the point of doing the profiles, you're pretty pretty sure that you know who, who the right person is. And then the profiles are basically used as um, kind of getting oriented to the person and see, seeing how they operate. Um, you're not and, using them as part of your hiring. You're really using them as part of the onboarding and integration of those people. Right. Yeah. So. Um, I don't want anyone to think that we make a hiring decision exclusively based on a profile because that's definitely not the case. Um, but once once we, like I said, once we're pretty sure that we have the right person, we, we do use it heavily with the onboarding. Um, we make sure that the supervisor reads it, they read their supervisors. I always encourage everybody to familiarize themselves with everyone in their departments or anyone that they work with regularly. Um, we have used some of the other strategic coach tools like the communication builder um, and different tools like that as part of the onboarding to make sure that people understand how, you know, like I said, giving and receiving information. Um, and then in the past, we've done the Colby, um, Colby, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I can't remember the specific name, but Colby has a service where you can basically plug in your whole team and it um, creates a grid for you. So you can see how many people fall in each area and where what, is there any kind of people you don't have anyone. Uh, one of the ones that we realized we had only one person on the team who was an uh, implementer, like a really high implementer, and that is our warehouse manager. And he loves to build things. He pretty much built the whole warehouse. So. Right. We thought it was awesome just to see like that reinforcement of, hey, we got that, we got it right. He's in the right role. And um, it's it was also a really useful exercise to see, do we have a lot of the same profile? Is everybody kind of falling hiring, in? Yeah, are we hiring a lot of people like us? Right. And so that's another 
seeing that that was really useful to see we want a mix you know we don't want everyone to have the same skill set and we don't we want the whole spectrum of skills so uh, we, we definitely use the tool for that and in terms of onboarding um, we have a really great onboarding program that I have spent a ton of time building and I'm very proud of it and this is definitely part of that yeah, I wanted, I wanted to ask you about the onboarding because you guys, you mentioned earlier to me that you have a fully remote team. So I'm curious what your onboarding of uh, your team looks like and how it works. Can you start walking us through that? Of course. Yeah. So we, we use Asana as a project management tool uh, within the company. And we probably like four or five months ago, we started using Asana for our onboarding. So Basically, um, Asana is one tool. The other tool we rely heavily on is called GetGuru. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a knowledge management tool. Um, so we have an Asana board project that we create for the person before they start. And so day one, you join Kindred Bravely. You log into Slack, which is what we use to communicate. Um, you have your, everything's all set up for you. And your first Asana project exists. And so you will be in a meeting with someone, uh, our HR associate, sometimes it's me, and we will kind of orient you to that Asana project. And it literally says, first column, day one, what do you need to do on your first day? Um, set up this, take your sexual harassment prevention training, um, set up your calendar, and just kind of like the day one stuff and the person just um, gets an overview from a live person via a Zoom call. And then we kind of walk them through how to use the project and then let them let them kind of go on the first day to do the first round of things. And then throughout their first week, we continue the meetings and just kind of moving them along. The next column on the chart or on the project is your first week. So now that you've got your email, your calendar, everything set up, you've taken the mandatory training, now you're going to start meeting with people in other departments. So um, we have 36 uh, U.S. employees. We have a few departments. So then we basically get the person oriented with who's who within the company in the smaller settings um, because it's hard enough when you are in a physical office remembering everyone's names when you start somewhere new, but in a remote office, it can be much harder because there's not even a face to the name sometimes. And some people on our team, we have multiples of the same name. So we try to really get people integrated into the smaller departmental meetings during their first week so that they can meet everyone on a smaller scale and then um, we introduce them to our whole team on Friday. We have an all team meeting every Friday. Um, so throughout the week, they're kind of, they're being guided, but they're also given the ability to self guide. And the second part of that is get guru. So that's an, a knowledge management tool. Yeah. Walk through this one and dumb this one down. Cause I opened it up quickly when you mentioned it, scanned it really quickly. I'm like, what the, I don't, you, you really walk this down for our listener and I'll link to it in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, so GetGuru, the way we use this tool is where we standardize all of our work processes. So um, the idea being anything that you're doing on a regular basis, um, we want it to be standardized into a how-to guide. It's not quite as formal as an SOP, but you know we want 
step-by-step screenshots, instructions, let's say you're out or somebody leaves the team, we really want as much knowledge as we can have institutionalized. So what the Asana project has in the description of the task is for each of these steps, there's a link to the Get Guru card. So when it says take your uh, sexual harassment prevention training, you click on the link and the screen pops up and it says, here's the website, here's how you log in, this is how long it takes, this is how you troubleshoot if you're having problems, this is what you do when you're done. So it, we're really tying the instructions uh, for each step to our knowledge management system. And part of the reason I set it up that way is because I want to train people from the very beginning on where to look for help. Um, if, if at all possible, look here first before reaching out to someone else. Um, because I, I want to point people straight to the source of information um, and kind of free up a lot of team members from repeating the same information all the time verbally or typing it out in Slack. So, so would GetGuru be like a, um, would it be the way where you document your processes or is it more like a wiki or an online training program? What is it just kind of, what, what is it displacing or what, uh, what is it taking the place of? Or? Um, it's an, I mean, it's an app. It integrates with Slack. It's kind of taking the place of having a lot of Word documents explaining processes or having um, formal SOPs. Okay. So, you know, we... So it explains how to do stuff, but it's not necessarily the SOP documented in a way. It's... Right, exactly. So okay. it'll tell you... Well, one of the one of the things we we tell our team members when they first start is set up your we use G Suite, so set up your calendar in a way that anyone on the team can look at it and know when you're free and when you're not. So, if you have time that's off limits, block it off. If you are always going to be picking up your kids at school at this time, just block it. So, we want to know when we can meet with you without having a lot of back and forth. So, there is a card that explains how to do that. Um, okay. Step by step. But then there's the more complicated functions that we do as well with e-commerce related. Um, how to, how do we do product launches? How do we do photo shoots? That kind of stuff is in there too. Um, mainly just as we're, as we grow, we just really want to make sure that we're, we're documenting our processes and we're making sure that we don't lose information if there's, turnover or you know if things change um we really want to make sure that the information stays with the company and yeah. it's an awesome tool and I, i've actually pretty much everyone who started at kindred bravely has told me that it was the best onboarding experience they've ever had which is a huge compliment it's interesting what um <clears throat> what have you had to do differently in your onboarding process over the last couple of years what have you had to change or get better at um, well, originally I was personally onboarding everyone and I really liked that, but as we've grown, it's just not, hasn't been possible. So we, we've actually hired an HR associate who has taken over the onboarding. Um, I forgot to mention one of the things during our first week of onboarding is the founders and the president will meet with the team member and read the whole vivid vision for them and present it. So that's a really big part of it is making sure right from the beginning, um, 
everyone is on the same page regarding the vivid vision. Um, we, over the years, there's been a lot of times where we've kind of hired in batches, where we've hired like five, six, seven people at once um, and done kind of like the bulk onboarding as, as a group. And then we've also had it kind of like we're hiring one person here and there. What have you had to change to do that to make the bulk onboarding work and or be okay? What have you had to do differently there? So I think building the building the Asana project definitely was a response to the bulk onboarding because when you start realizing there's seven people that just started on the same day, everyone has the same questions. Like it used to be a more of a meeting focus, mm. like and then we changed it to more of a project like onboarding project versus onboarding meetings because we really wanted to let people go at their own pace if they were able to. So just because I haven't had time to cover everything you should do on your first week, if you're up for it, you can kind of self-guide your way through it. So we've definitely tried to have a balance between a lot of personal interaction, but also if you want to go ahead and just really get in there, you can. Uh, we want to give it to you all up front and then reach out, help you if you need help. But if you don't need help, you can kind of go through the whole thing as fast as you want. That's really cool. I love that you set it up that way. So I want to go back to the Colby profile for a second. Um, so you and Garrett, who is one of the co-founders, his Colby profile, what was his? Do you know? Um, I can pull it up real quick. Um, there's a few where we're, where we're on different ends of the spectrum. Um, all right, if you I'll just pull it up here. Um, okay. So let's see. So one of the founders, he's seven four eight two. Okay. Um, so it, it goes fact finder, follow through, quick start, implementer. Yep. And then mine was. Um, let me eight, see here. I might have said the wrong number earlier. Mine is eight seven two four. Eight, seven, so, two, yeah, that makes more sense. So you you ask a lot of questions and put systems in place. He likes to ask a bunch of questions and start quickly. He actually likes to start quickly and ask some questions while he's running. Um, so was there a shift when because you brought in another senior person into the organization as president of the organization? Did they have a different? personality profile than um, than the founder than Garrett did and how did you have um, to come up with that style so she is seven five five three so it's not too different actually I mean there's some similarities there and there's a little bit of differences as well um kind of in the middle of the two of us I guess yeah. Now, have you had to adapt your style at all? Did you ever do anything with, with Garrett as a founder that you've had to switch your style and working with her? And how have you had to adapt and grow and learn there? Um, so I think I've definitely had to adapt um, with, with, our, with our new president. Um, she, she, ha she has a lot more interest in the details, which I love to share about. So it works out well for me. Um, we, you know, we have our meetings function a little bit differently than it did when I was working directly with the founders. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot more information sharing back and forth. Um, 
than than I did previously, and a lot more context and details being provided. Um, I would say those are the main the main differences so far. Interesting. Okay, so how about on the on the work from home? You, you mentioned some of the work from home tools. You guys have always been a remote company. Are there any lessons that you can give us or give people now that are having to work from work from home, work remotely that you found to be very powerful or useful? Uh, yes, I think a lot of people are already figuring out Slack. Slack and Zoom are great tools to use. Um, we're we've always been a video on in all of our meetings from day one. I think that really helps teams, especially if you're never in the same room together. Um, it really helps teams get to understand what people's personalities are like, what their facial expressions are like, all of that. Um, we're pretty, we're very intentional with our communication guidelines, just kind of on a related note. Um, with Slack especially, and especially if you don't have a personal relationship that you're starting out with, um, context and tone can be very hard to interpret. So we've been very intentional with our communication guidelines. We have really spelled it out for our team members, and this is also part of the onboarding. What do we use Slack for? Uh, what do we use email for? What do we use Hangouts for? What kind of messages do we never want to convey in Slack? For example, critical feedback. Um, you need to have a face-to-face -face hangout with the person and talk to them so that they can understand your tone, context, all of that. You never want to, we never want to be delivering like criticism to someone over Slack, especially not in a public channel where other people can see it. So we've been very, um, like I said, very intentional with how we can, how we use our tool and to communicate different pieces of information. Um, we, we also really emphasize at the beginning of our onboarding what our core values are, which is grateful, generous, encouraging, and brave. So uh, we expect our team members to follow that in written messages and verbal messages and email. Um, and we see it. It's actually, our Slack channels are just filled with encouragement, support, all kinds of great things. So um, I think for people that are new to working remote, I would definitely say um, make sure that your team understands what channels are appropriate for, um, for what types of messages. If you, it, the other thing that comes with Slack is it really incentivizes people to reply quickly and maybe not thinking as deeply as you might if you're responding to an email. And the reality with our team is that sometimes people aren't on at that time. You know, if you're working late and someone else has already logged off for the day and the thread begins where the relevant people aren't there, we really do tell our team and we do follow this. Let's pause this until all the right people can be involved because you could wake up and find out that like a message that has been spiraling all night and you, you know, you should have been in on it. So we do try to be really mindful of that and say, make sure that the right people and this, the right people are involved in the discussion. And that goes back, you know, we follow meeting set principles from your book. I read that when I first started and, you know, make sure that the right people are involved in the discussion. Otherwise you're wasting everyone's time. If, if you can't have the right people at the table at the right time. 
Yeah, I love that you're actually teaching people how to use the tools and also how to be intentional with them and then also really kind of reinforcing the core values along the way as well. Um, and and I, the, there's just a lot there that you actually brought to the table. There's a lot of really good insights there. Um, it's interesting to also just see how intentional you guys are as a company that's remote um, and really an e-commerce company and how you're really running it like a best of breed, you know, offline world company would have to run. So is there anything you guys are struggling with currently as an organization? Um, struggling with as an organization. Um, I think, you know, we've grown a lot over the last few years. So I think the ongoing struggle that's on the forefront of my mind is just wanting to perpetually maintain the kind of culture and environment that we have as we grow. Um, that's, I wouldn't really say that it's not happening, but it's something that I'm, I keep thinking about with rapid growth. We want to make sure that we have, we provide the same cultural environment that we have now with every new team member that gets bigger. Um, and I think the other thing would just be what everyone's struggling with right now in the time of the coronavirus, which is just, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, we make plans and we, we think they're good plans. And then, you know, sometimes things just come out of left field and you have to adjust. So I think that's kind of one thing that we are just being really mindful about is how can we be responsible with the business and still adapt to what's happening around us right now. Talk about, yeah, talk about um, the work-life balancing. That was something you brought up earlier on that I think is interesting as part of your core values or your culture, your organization, is you really are obsessed about the, the work-life balance. How do you, inst how do you um, instill that in people and how do you promote that and how do you kind of check people that maybe aren't as balanced as they should be? You know, the workaholics, how do we bring them back into having some balance? Uh, great. I love this question. Um, so one of the, one of our core values is generosity and uh, I think I mentioned this to you when we were at the COO Alliance was um, we have, we do random acts of generosity as a company every month. Each person has a budget to do a random act of generosity. And this is honestly one of my favorite parts about working for Kindred Bravely is I really look forward to doing a random act each month. I think about it all the time. Like I usually do it on the first day and then I spend the rest of the month thinking about my next one. And then we share, we share those in our team meetings on Friday. So our last meeting of the month, we, everybody reports out what they did for their random act for the previous month. And my, all I can speak to is my own personal experience, but it has made me a more generous person because when I realized that, okay, I used my company random acts already. I'm, my brain has kind of switched into looking for those opportunities. And then I'll just do more anyway, because I want to, because it feels good to be generous to other people. And so I feel like that's one thing that I really think helps all of us have that core value because we're all actively participating every month. The other thing is a lot of the people who work at Kindred Bravely are also our customers. We're, like I said, many of us are moms and we know what it's like to have a newborn. We know what it's like to buy something online and then like life gets in the way of returning it on time. And then you're, you know, you have to figure out what the policy is. So a lot of the way that we are outward focused towards our customers 
is really the same way we treat each other internally. Um, we try to provide an 11 star customer experience, which is um, so far beyond what you see from a lot of e-commerce companies. Um, we literally understand what it's like to be a nursing mom who just bought a nursing bra. You realize it doesn't fit and then your kid spilled something on it. Now what do you do? Like we literally build our policies around the reality of our customers. And I think since we've all been through that phase and some of us are still in that phase, um, it really translates outside of our company and internally we have a lot of understanding and grace for each other because we understand what it's like. Um, That's really cool. I love, I love the, the, just the, the theme around that and the focus around that. I want two specific examples, though. One specific example of, of random acts of generosity. Give me an example of when that's happened in the company, what, what one was, so people can wrap their head around it. Sure. Um, well, in January, we did our first ever in-person team retreat. And normally we do, we let everyone have a certain budget to do an individual random act throughout the year. But when, since we were all together in person, we gave, every, we divided into groups of four, gave everyone 200 bucks and said, you have an hour, go do a random act of generosity. So some people went to Walmart and made uh, backpacks and then they found homeless people that they could give them to. My group, we went to a grocery store and we bought $200 grocery gift cards. And we had the idea of walking around the grocery store to find like a mom with little kids who we could help. We walked around and around. We didn't see anyone. There were no moms at that time of day. Looking back, I think it was dinner time. So we ended up just going into the parking lot and kind of hanging around until we saw someone. And we saw this older woman, probably like um, late sixties. And we just said, Hey, let's go give it to her. So we walked up to her and said, um, we wanted to give you this gift card to help you with your groceries today and just wishing you a good day. And the woman froze and she just couldn't believe it. She said, no one's ever done anything like this for me before. And then she shared with us that she had, she had lost her daughter recently in a, a murder and that ever since her daughter had passed away, she had been personally doing random acts in the community as like a way of remembering her daughter. And she said that we were the first time she had ever had anyone do a random act of generosity to her. And all of us were crying in the parking lot. Like the four people in my group, the woman, we were all just standing there and like we ended up hugging and parting ways after that. But like the experiences that, the experiences that come from being generous um, really just are so valuable. And I really think that experience really helps our team feel even closer. Um, so yeah. there's stuff like that every month that we're sharing. I remember you telling that story at the last CO Alliance event too. It was really a powerful lesson. How about the, um, the 11 star customer experience? Give me an example of when you guys have provided 11 star customer experience. Oh, I would love to. So. Um, we have uh, customers write in all the time. Um, we have a very flexible return policy, but one customer wrote in and she told us, um, my dog literally destroyed my pumping bra. <laughs> she sent us a picture of this pumping bra that had been totally destroyed by a dog. And we thought it was hilarious. And, you know, the customer service team is very empowered. They just, her a new one and said don't worry about it 
you know, have a new one on us. It's totally, we totally understand. And then we've had more specific things where people have written us after some of the natural disasters we've seen, like Hurricane Harvey and fires, and people will write into us and say, I just lost everything I own. And, you know, I have a new baby and I had just bought all these things. Uh, our customer service team is has a lot of liberty to do what they want. So we very frequently send people a care package just from us. Um, sometimes people write in and let us know that they were pregnant and they've had a miscarriage or they've, you know, they no longer need the items they bought. We have a special um, piece of jewelry that we send in those cases, more of just an emotional support because we know how hard that is. Um, so there's, we really, we really do treat our customers as best as we possibly can. And I think that's part of why our brand has been successful because we hear a lot from people that they've never had this positive of an experience with a company and now they want to tell their friends. And yeah, you've really, um, really taken that to the next level. Curious on the, on the charity thing that you did with your organization, how much, how many dollars did you give each group and how much time did you give them again? Oh, when we did it in person, um, we did $200 um, for groups of four. And I think we had eight groups of four on that event. And how much time to go out and find a charitable thing and do it? And uh, Let's see. I believe we allotted two hours, but um, it was at the end of the day. So some people finished earlier. Some people took longer, actually. But two hours was enough time? Yeah. It's a cool program. I really like it. All right. Final question. If we were to go back to the 22 year old self, you're kind of, you're finishing college, you're heading out into the business world. What word of advice would you give yourself um, back then that you know to be true now, but you didn't know when you were just getting going? I think I would tell myself, um, it's okay to change courses and you can figure it out. <laughs> Those are two lessons that I feel like, um, you know, studying public policy in grad school, I felt like I was committing myself to a life in government. And then I realized there's a lot of things about that that I didn't really want to do forever. So uh, entering a new field and then realizing you can learn anything you want to learn. Uh, there's so many resources out in the world that you can grow and develop the skills that you want. And uh, just not to feel locked into one path because that's the path that you started out on. That's awesome. I love that. Aaron Nelson, the Director of Operational Effectiveness at Kindred Bravely. Thanks very much for sharing with us on the Second in Command podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya for access to our premium content. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.